just as I am. Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. You can also visit The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And Welcome back to our ongoing study of the problem of evil. On the last episode, we talked about how sin leads to suffering. Sometimes we suffer because of our own sins. Sometimes we suffer the consequences of other people's sins. And sometimes we suffer because it's just a part of the human condition. Sin is in the world, therefore suffering is in the world. As I left off on the last episode, I I made a statement that I wasn't able to fully explore, and I'd like to talk some more about it today. And that is, part of the Bible's solution to the problem of evil lies outside the world. It lies in eternity. The reason I believe this is because we all have to contend with the end of our life. We all have to contend with death. Many people who believe in an entirely material explanation for the realm in which we live believe that death is the end. And if death is the end, they don't really see any point to the life that we live. Epicurus was one of those men. He said, death does not concern us because as long as we exist, death is not here. And once it does come, we no longer exist. As far as Epicurus was concerned, when death came, that was the end. Nothing else awaited. And this was a very widespread attitude among the Greeks. And from that belief sprang a sentiment that was, again, very widespread among the philosophers. Live it up because one day you will die. Eat, drink, and be merry. This is what Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32, when he's talking about people who doubt the resurrection He says, if the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. That was a common sentiment among the Greeks. It's a little akin to what Solomon discovered in the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 21 through 23, Solomon says, For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what has man for all his labor, and for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun? For all his days are sorrowful, and his works burdensome. Even in the night his heart takes no rest. This also is vanity. Now when Solomon talks about life under the sun, he's talking about life without God. And as he surveys the world and thinks about what life is like without God in the equation... He concludes, you work hard, you die, you leave the fruits of your labor to someone else. What do you have to show for it? Sacrifice and pain and stress and lack of sleep. So Solomon's question is, if there is no God, if death is really the end, what is the point of working hard? So this is a a common conclusion that people are often drawn to. 
If death is the end, what is the point of living life? Well, one thing we can say is that there is good in life, and the Bible encourages us to enjoy what is good in life. Of course, within the parameters that, that God has put in place for, uh, for our safety. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24, in that next verse, Solomon says, Nothing is better for a man that, that he should eat and drink, and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. Solomon acknowledges that it's good to take satisfaction in your work and to enjoy the fruit of your labor, that this is a gift from God. And I think we all can relate to that. A little later on in the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, Solomon talks about the value of true companionship. And when you have a true companion in life, this makes sacrifice and hard work worthwhile. Then I returned and I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his labors. Nor is his eye satisfied with riches, but he never asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. Solomon says it's depressing to see a man who is working and laboring but has no companionship in his life. All he has is loneliness, which is why he goes on to say two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. He goes on to extol the virtues of having a companion to share your life with. This is something good that God has given us. If we were just left to ourselves to labor to no purpose, to no good, to have no one to share it with, that would be a very empty existence indeed. So enjoying the fruits of our labor, finding satisfaction and fulfillment in our work, and, and having someone or several people with which to share that, these are good things. These are gifts from God. It's why in the old law, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 5 through 7, the Israelites who had built a new home or planted a new vineyard or were betrothed to a woman were excused from warfare. These men were dismissed because God thought it was good for them to enjoy a new home, to enjoy the fruit from a new vineyard, to enjoy those first couple of years of marriage. These were gifts from him and he wanted people to enjoy them. But in this, there is a danger because we can pursue the pleasures of life to an unhealthy degree. This is what Solomon explored in the second chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, verses 1 through 16. He pursued pleasure to the greatest degree possible. And at the end, he found that the pursuit of pleasure was meaningless. It was vanity. It was chasing after the wind. Because it didn't prolong his life, it didn't delay the day of death, that death was still imminent, that it hung there as a specter waiting for him. And what Solomon concluded is that meaning could not be found in pleasure. So even though God has created good things for us to enjoy in life, we need to enjoy them to the degree that is good for us. Because the pursuit of happiness will not give our lives meaning. Death still awaits. Death hangs out there as an enemy, as an end. But the Bible says that there is something that awaits. And this is part of the Bible's solution to the problem of evil. 
that even though God has, has given us good things to enjoy in life, even though death awaits us, there is something after death that should motivate us to live a meaningful and purposeful life. Staying in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, Solomon talks to young men, and he says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these God will bring you into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Now Solomon encourages young men to enjoy the good of life, and this would apply to young women as well. It's good to find satisfaction in a job well done, to find a companion to share your life with, to enjoy the rewards of your labor, to enjoy the good things that God has created. But he also urges young people to take their lives seriously because we'll be held accountable for our choices. And so he urges us to clean up our lives, to, yes, enjoy the good things that are available to you, but also to remove evil. Because removing evil will reduce the degree to which we suffer in life. I think we can say that that's true. The degree to which I remove evil from life will be reflected in my amount of suffering. People suffer because they do wrong, because they commit sin, and it makes their lives complicated and painful. So if I take the time and energy to remove evil from my life, I will also remove suffering. In the next chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, Solomon says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Notice in these two verses that Solomon expresses what is our purpose. Our purpose is to fear God and keep his commandments, or as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8, that we be shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. And God will one day evaluate the choices that we make. This is one reason why I believe that the Bible is the Word of God, because the Bible tells me that one day I will be held accountable for the choices I make in life, and I can't hide anything from God. That not only will God judge how I've chosen to live my life, He will also judge every secret thing. In Romans chapter 2, verse 16, Paul says, "...in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel." Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says that all things are naked and open to the eye of him to whom we must give account. I cannot hide anything from God. So he judges how I live my life and he judges what I've hidden away, which then encourages me to take responsibility, take responsibility for my life and find in that meaning and purpose. So what does this have to do with eternity? Well, it's a reminder that while death may be an end of sorts, something else awaits. A day of reckoning, a day of accounting, a day when I must give an account for how I have lived my life. And it's not just me, it's everyone. And this is one reason why I like the Bible's explanation. Because not only will I be held accountable, everyone will be held accountable 
including those who seem to have gotten away with uh, terrible crimes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Solomon saw under the sun, in the place of judgment, wickedness was there, and in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. And he said in his heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Watching a victim suffer the consequences for their perpetrator's sins is difficult, especially if no justice is found in this world. And one of the things that the Bible teaches me is that there is a day of reckoning when God will right all injustices. That even though people may seemingly escape from this life, they will not get away from God. That there is a day after death in which all will give an answer all will be held accountable. And this helps me cope with the pain and the suffering I see around me. It helps me order my own life because I see a responsibility in leading a meaningful and purposeful life in the eyes of God. And it also reminds me that if I do see injustice, if I do see hurts that are not redressed in this life, that God God will have vengeance, that God will hold those folks accountable, that injustice will be addressed. And I take great consolation in that fact, that there's no escaping the judgment of God. He knows everything that we do, He knows everything that we think, and He will hold every one of us accountable. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.